It's 9.30 on Sunday Extra, and we heard, of course, earlier from biomedical pioneer Graham Grant, who was inducted into the Order of Australia at the age of 90 just a few days ago. We're going to head to the other end of the huge pool of extraordinarily impressive Australians now by speaking to three Young Australians of the Year. You might have heard that uh, Emma McKean was named Young Australian of the Year uh, on Australia Day. Thanks to Federation, Emma's also the Queensland Young Australia of the, Australian of the Year, and we thought that we would take this opportunity to meet some of the other great Young Australians of the Year. So today we're joined by Caitlin Figueredo, who's the Young Australian of the Year for the ACT. Welcome, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Caitlin is also the co-chair of the Australian Youth Affairs Coalition. We're also joined from the West by Kate Kerwin, West Australia's Young Australian of the Year. Welcome, Kate. Hi, good morning. And Kate is the founder of She Codes Australia. And with me in the studio is Nikhil Ortar, who's the founder of Beam Health and Young Australian of the Year for New South Wales. Welcome, Nikhil. Lovely to be here. Congratulations to all of you. And each of you has a really compelling story. Kate, let's start with you because you get the brownie points for getting up so early and speaking to us in WA. Um, so tell us about uh, your background and founding She Codes Australia. Yeah, so I, nine years ago, had never written a line of code before and I just got really curious about technology. So we know that 75% of the fastest growing careers require some level of technical skills. Mm. Um, there's so much opportunity in the technology space at the moment and it's only growing. Um, Post-COVID, they've redone estimates um, and we need another million people in tech in the next five years for Australia to stay globally competitive. So there is so much opportunity in that space. Mm. Um, but it's nothing I had really considered in the past. Uh, it's nothing that had ever got mentioned at school. It's nothing that anyone had ever said to me, but I just got really curious and I started writing my first lines of code. And I found very quickly that uh, when I got stuck and I needed to ask for help, the communities that existed weren't very beginner friendly, mm. weren't very female friendly. And you ask in online forums and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of really negative stuff in a lot of I online I think it's fair to say the internet's not known help. for its civility in some of those forums. Yeah, totally. So set about trying to solve my own problem and uh, built a community and, and we're now nine years later. We've taught more than 7,000 people all across the country from metro areas as well as some of the most remote regions of Western Australia, um, Queensland and Sydney. So it's fantastic. Yeah, and people keep telling me if women wanted to be in tech, they would be, but that's that's not the barrier. There's, mm. there's so many women out there that are interested. It's providing the the skills, the opportunity, the confidence and the networks for them to really survive and thrive in that career. Yeah, because you mentioned the great opportunities in terms of the number of employees that we'll need in the tech mm. sector. What's the current gender split in the tech sector and in the coding sector? Yeah, so the good news is that it has improved just. Right, yeah, yeah, so, starting from a low base. Yeah, when I started in tech generally, it was 28%. We're now at 31%. So we have moved in an upwards direction, which is amazing because yep. we've been dropping since the 80s. Um, but when you look at software developers and those more technical roles, it's more like 10%, but that number is very hard to find because a lot of companies don't want to report on it. Hmm. And Kate, is there a certain irony in the great work that you've done to start She Codes Australia that I imagine you're very busy? Do you have time to code? I only do a little bit now. Um, but uh, it is really fun being able to solve problems. That's, That's right. All 
working in tech is. I think people think that it's going to be this super hard, impossible thing, but it's just solving problems all day. Yes, I did hear you say that the, that it's a myth that coding is incredibly hard. It does seem incredibly hard to me, I've got to say, Kate, but, um, but great to hear that you're both doing it yourself and, I suppose, critically making the pathways for new female entrants easier because, yeah, it's just it's got the potential to be a win for everyone. Yeah, Absolutely. Fantastic. That's uh, Kate Kerwin, West Australia's Young Australian of the Year. Uh, Let's move on now to you, Nikhil. Um, You've had an extraordinary life, an extraordinarily challenging life as well. Give us a bit of a sense of the pathway to becoming New South Wales Young Australian of the Year. Yeah, so I guess it all started when I was 17. I was told I had leukaemia and a Mm. 10 to 20% chance of surviving. But you know, at that point, you're going through chemo, you're going through treatment, and yes, the cancer was one of the most deadly things that could kill me, obviously. Mm. But coming out of it, I didn't realize that a lot of the things that could kill me, that a lot of the things that made my life terrible were completely preventable. How so, so? So things like falls, um, they're the most common cause of hospitalization. They cost us billions of years, and they're, they're the most common cause of injury. And pressure sores, that's something where, you know, if you lie on one spot for a while, you develop um, mm. wounds that, that, that take years to heal. I had some on my back that took 18 months to heal. They had to pretty much burn it off. And mm. yeah, I could smell that whole thing. Like it's a weird sort of barbecue. And it was, it was really traumatic. And yeah, that kind of thing, it, it happens, but it can be prevented. So that's when I started looking into these problems. I, I had a friend who actually fell in hospital and she died after not mm. being seen for over eight hours. And 20% of falls in hospitals, the most surveilled sort of environments, are not attended to for over an hour. So I was like, how can we fix this? And so we looked into the, the things that were out there. We found a few things that were there, but they're way too expensive to get out to people. And so that's when we decided, let's try and find something that can, that can address this problem in a way that's affordable as well as effective. And most importantly, as someone who's been on a few solutions that try and combat this, comfortable as mm, well. So mm. it's actually used. So that's where we, one of the products that we've developed is BeamSense. So this is a device that tracks movement over your entire bed rather than a small patch at an affordable price. And the reason why that is, is instead of using point sensors that you need, tens of thousands of, to, to track someone as they're moving in bed. We use piezo-resistive materials, which when they stretch, they develop a voltage change, which you can then detect and show to people, like, this is the heat map of a user. Mm. And from there, we use more algorithms to determine if someone's at risk of getting a pressure sore. And that can alert nurses, let them know where and how to move people in a way that will reduce rates of, of sores. And yeah, so that's that's what we've worked on there. That's and, fantastic, and yeah. you, and you can really see how the the hardships and positions that you've been in have really informed the innovation that you've been doing. Um, I mean, just surviving your medical conditions <laughs> is a hell of an achievement, <laughs> Nikhil. Uh, how did you manage? Like, like, were you thinking about these things and these inventions as you were going through the healing process, or did you have to sort of bed down the health stuff first, at least a little bit, and then <laughs> move on to becoming an entrepreneur and innovator and all? those other things. Yeah. So I think, yeah, part of it was that personal experience, but then I was also in medical school trained to be a doctor. And luckily I was able to start medicine just on Monday. But yeah, seeing this happen was just, I just thought there's so much waste going on. Mm. How, how can we address this sort of problem? And that's, 
that's where a lot of that came from as well, like seeing the problem from the other side of the bed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you've also started some initiatives about accessibility and yeah. using technology mm. to be able to not just have accessibility but to get the information about accessibility to the people who really need it. Tell us about that. Indeed. So, like, this started off in medical school. I was trying to get to a tutorial in a hospital I hadn't been there, I hadn't been to before. So before that episode, like, I started needing a wheelchair for you know, a side effect of the treatment I'm on. So I was looking up, how can we find parking there where, the, where it's going to be close to a ramp? Because I saw this huge flight of stairs, like I'm talking like four or five in a row. Mm. So I was first off on Google Maps, nothing was found. Then I turned to Google Satellite. Again, I couldn't find anything about that. I was asking my friends, no one else knew. So I was like, how can this be the case in a hospital? where sick people are going to every day. And sadly, this is the reality for a lot of people. Mm. Going out into the world, like 40% of people with a disability are lonely, chronically. And that number rises to 85% in people in the 18 to 35-year mm. age bracket. And a lot of the times when I wasn't going out, it was simply because I didn't know, is there going to be parking close by? Uh, is there a vending machine at that place in case I need to get some carbs into me with my diabetes? And are there seating? Is there something that's going to allow us to actually get out there? So that information is not currently present. And so that's where I, was, that's where I said, look, this problem does exist. Let's try and fix it. And mm. again, I sort of took a step back, looked at the issue and tried to determine what we could do in the most effective way to do that. So what we're doing is we're crowdsourcing that information, allowing venues as well as people to go in, tell the world about a venue, how accessible it is, about the community outside, where these bathrooms are, where these rest benches are, where quiet um, spaces and what time quiet hours are at. Uh, and then we're also gathering information that is out there because there is a lot. There, there's a national toilet map. There's some councils like Waverley that are putting out like where designated drop-off zones and designated parking spots are, but they're all over the place and mm. you simply can't know that information. So we're using a bit of AI to also compile that data, uh, make, the, make the data into a similar sort of format that we can display in our app so we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can make that information available to the public and right now you can jump on Nia Maps, so that's know in advance, K-N-I-A, maps.com, and let the world know like about your favourite uh, GP or favourite restaurant. <laughs> People don't really have favourite GP clinic. <laughs> Maybe you do. But, yeah, favourite restaurant, a GP clinic. Let the world know like how you can get in there and what sort of services they have so that other people around you can use it too. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. We're hearing there from Nikhil Orta, who's the New South Wales Young Australian of the Year. And I'm detecting a bit of a theme already of young people who are not just spotting problems, but then coming up with the solutions and really showing the initiative and passion to make a huge difference for other people as well, which is fantastic. And perhaps not surprising that those people end up becoming Young Australians of the Year for different states and territories around the country. Let's come to you, Caitlin. You're the uh, Young Australian of the Year for for the ACT, of course, the political capital of the country, and you're the co-chair of the Australian Youth Affairs Coalition. Could you tell us about why and how you became interested in politics? Because I think that sort of informs some of the pathway to your current title. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think being born and bred on Ngunnawal Nambri country, the heart of Australia's political capital. You never is, had a chance, yeah. <laughs> never, never had a chance. No, no, no. But it's kind of informed in, in a couple of ways. Yeah. So my my family are, are going. So um, it's a it's a state in, in India and they have been part of politics for generations. Mm. Like my auntie was the first woman ever to represent Goa in the Portuguese parliament. Mm. My uncles were freedom fighters. And so when my family came to Australia and they, they migrated here, um, they sort of told me that, hey, you know, what if you, if you see a problem or if you see something that you don't like or you want to give back to your communities, look to politics because it's one of the quickest ways that you can make the biggest difference to millions of people's lives. And for me as a kid, when I was going through and surviving childhood um, gender-based violence, mm. I I was actually really scared of a lot of adults. And that was sort of a message of like service that I was raised by my grandparents. And I thought one day if I if I just survive, if I make it out of this, I'm going to look at politics as an avenue to just not just raise my voice, but the voices of so many young people who were going through similar circumstances to mine who were who never reflected in public policy where adults and leaders don't get to listen to their stories or hear their solutions. And so when I was when I was 18 years old, I, I went to university and I was like, you know what, I'm I'm starting to see that young people are actually really struggling. At the time, you know, there was a cost of living crisis that was just starting. There was the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals that were launched, but I didn't see young people's voices anywhere. If we're going to inherit the Sustainable Development Goals, we have to work intergenerationally. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and get young people into politics. And I started looking around and I was like, well, actually, there's no spaces for young people mm. except for some tokenistic five to 10 minute meetings with politicians if you're lucky to get in the room, but you don't have any opportunity to shape the national agenda. Why is that? Because in 2013, under the Abbott government, one of the first initiatives under his government was to cut youth affairs. So literally overnight, it was like 4.5 million Australians did not count. There was no more federal funding for youth affairs. There was no more minister for youth. There was no more office for youth. And AAC, the national peak body that had been around for over 15 years, had zero funding. So I approached AAC and I was like, hey, what are you guys doing for young people? And they were like, well, we have $13,000 in the bank. And I was like, great, let me join the board and I'm going to help rebuild it because I was really, really Can passionate about doing that. So that's how I got into AAC. Fantastic. And you've gone on from then not only to become the co-chair of AAC, but you also uh, co-founded a political leadership group called Girls Take Over Parliament, which sounds like a good idea to me. Caitlin, what's that all about? <laughs> Yeah, so Girls Take Over Parliament is a civic engagement initiative where we bring young women and girls from all across the country directly into parliament. They have a, um, essentially, they participate in a political incubator. So they learn all about our political system, our democracies, the history of politics. They learn about how to write policies, motions, speeches, basically the core skills that they need to not only get into politics, but to take those skills to be leaders in their own lives. Because we're not just saying, hey, run for office. We're just like, hey, your voice matters. We want to give you the confidence 
confidence and skills and networks to support you to be leaders in your own lives. And then what they do after that incubator is they go into parliament. So they go behind the scenes. They're partnered up with the political leader across the entire political spectrum. We don't discount anyone because while I may have my own personal views, I don't believe democracy should just Mm. be leaning towards one party. Everyone should be involved. And that's what we tell the young women and girls. And, you know, we've worked from everyone, from backbenchers all the way up to prime ministers. And this program has been really successful. We've passed over 40 motions in the House since being involved since 2017. And the program has actually caught on and gone around the world. We've been in five countries around the world, including in the Pacific, and we're just about to expand into the Caribbean. So it's just a really fun way to get young people involved and to get politicians involved as well. Yeah, sounds awesome. That's uh, Caitlin Figueredo, who's the Young Australian of the Year for the ACT this year and co-chair of the Australian Youth Affairs Coalition. And it's great having both Caitlin and also Kate Kerwin, WA's Young Australian of the Year, and Nikhil Orta, who's the uh, New South Wales Young Australian of the Year, all together for our conversation today. And I assume now, because the ceremonies have happened, that you've all met each other. I wanted to go around uh, and ask you um, what it was like to be part of the uh, Australian of the Year ceremony, but also what struck you about meeting this very extraordinary cohort of people who've been chosen as the young people to represent and to be the Young Australian of the Year for states and and territories? Um, We might start with you, Kate. What struck you when you met all the other Young Australians of the Year? Yeah, it's been such a great privilege to be part of the process. Oh, I was expecting um, you were going to say they're all terrible. <laughs> no, I think it, well, it started a few weeks before when we, um, Caitlin and I have been chatting over Instagram. We've had, we've got a group chat um, and it really feels like we're part of our peers um, and it hasn't felt like competition anyway in the lead up to this. It's not competition, it's collaboration um, and it really is amongst your peers so it's been really nice. Um, we had a few conversations where you're all trying to solve similar things, or, or in, yeah, you can see the themes the across. Kind of yeah, problems. yeah, d- d- different different focuses, but mm-hmm. but themes emerging consistently, which must be great then to be able to chat to each other and sort of yeah. swap stories. Yeah, so that's been really, really beautiful. Um, and we've still got a really active chat between all of us of being able to share opportunities, um, highlighting each other's messages and stories. So, mm. um, yeah, super a privilege to be there. The week in Canberra was a bit chaotic. Uh, I think we had eight events in four days, um, a million costume changes, uh, <laughs> not a lot of sleep, but really being in the room where it happens is um, what's really exciting for me. Um, yeah. And I'm a, I'm a huge political nerd and it's my first time in Canberra. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you, you, you've made the pilgrimage. Um, yeah. All right, well, that all sounds very positive from you, Kate. So, so Nikhil, which Young Australian of the Year do you like the least? No, I'm not going to ask you to answer that. Um, uh, <laughs> Probably myself at times, yeah. <laughs> very honest. No, but t- tell us what it was like to be part of that process and yeah, and what were you drawn out of meeting the other Young Australians of the Year? Oh, mate, I learned so much. Like we've, we've all, we are all working in our niches. We all have different experiences, so like, you know, the two Kates in the chat. Caitlin, she's got so much experience in politics. She's telling us like different ways that we can access uh, grants and and yeah. actual politicians to make change and how to do that. Uh, the other Kate, I mean, her branding is so on point. We're going into a space like, you know, we've gone from a business to business kind of 
uh, uh, an entity to mm. now we're getting out to the public. So we need to change that. Peter, he's um, uh, Northern Territory, Young Australian of the Year. He started medicine at 15, but like he's, he's going into like at a grass level, like grassroot level um, yeah, level and he's making huge changes as as a kid like mm. and that's that's like you know re-inspired me to do so many things tiani she's a great uh she's in fishing and i love my fishing as well but like <laughs> like right. learning about like you know all, all the things in, in the, the ways in which aboriginal people have have maintained their land like it's it's just so fascinating to me it was really really inspiring we learned a lot from each other uh, my mom got to <laughs> uh, got to change my clothes so much. She doesn't get to usually dress me. I'm a Sounds guy. Sounds like those costume changes really yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. She was. Oh man, she loved it. I, <laughs> I didn't, but I mean, I did look fly. There so. you go. Exactly. Excellent. Well, well props to so, mom. Yeah, um, that's and fantastic. It was, it was just inspiring to also be with the other um, Australians of the Year, learning from them. They're like, you know, yeah, because they're also the local heroes, the senior yeah. Australians of the Year as well. Yeah, I actually I almost work with Professor Georgina Long and Richard Scolia because. Yeah, I was doing a research here when I was when I was a bit sick, and yeah, getting to see them in person, get like advice about being a doctor as yeah. well. Like it was so so amazing and really privileged. Fantastic. We've had um, a texter in who works in a high risk foot clinic and wanted to know more about your Maps app, Nikhil, because said it would have been great to, to have known that for new patients. So just give us the the website or the link again. Yeah, that's uh, Beam Health. Oh, the the app, sorry, is Nia. So that's K N I A Maps Fantastic. Yeah. And back to you, Caitlin. I suppose as the uh, Young Australian of the Year for the ACT, you were sort of like the host of all the other Young Australians of the Year. Um, how did you find the whole experience? Uh, I mean, a little bit of the host. I, When Kate's mum was coming in a bit earlier, I got really excited because I was like, oh, my gosh, we can finally show off Canberra's culinary background. So I started <laughs> Fantastic. messaging everyone all of, like, my food recommendations and her mum took it up, so I was very happy about that. Um, but, no, it was, it was really great because Canberra, obviously, being a bubble, we and the political capital, we get not a great reputation. And so having people from all across the country come to Canberra, fall in love with our beauty, fall in love with our landscape and our hospitality felt just really nice. And I think for me, though, the best part, as Kate Nikhil said, I've been in the youth sector for a really long time and it can be really cutthroat. You have amazing young people who are just trying to make a difference mm. but often don't have access to the political influence, the capital or the recognition that they need to scale their initiatives. And it can be a very lonely experience. So coming to Canberra and getting to spend time with the most six amazing humans and then all the rest of our Australian of the Year cohort was amazing. And one thing that... I just want to share with everyone to just show that this is actually really authentic is in the lead up to going to the awards ceremony, we had all decided that we wanted to be in solidarity with one another. We really want to champion each other. We want each other to succeed. And we decided on the bus that we would read out each other's speeches mm. to each other. Mm. And we were told that that has actually never happened in the entire mm. history of the award. No cohort has ever actually taken the time to read each other's speeches out to each other and support each other like that. And that is a moment that I'm always going to take with me yeah, for the rest of my life because it was just so special and so beautiful. And it's exactly what I think the awards represent. It's just it's pe people supporting others and championing each other to succeed for the betterment of our country. Fantastic. Uh, Kate Kerwin, what, what do you hope to achieve out of your time as WA's Young Australian of the Year? Yeah, we've got really audacious goals. So our goal for the last few years has been 
inspiring 100,000 people across the country to get into tech by 2025. 100,000, yeah. You don't think small, do you, Kate? (laughs) No, and I'm very aware we're in 2024 and 2025 is only a year away. Um, So we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, But my bigger goal is for our organisation to no longer exist. Mm. So we don't need to be pushing women into technology. We don't need to be closing these gaps because um, there is no gap anymore. So that's that's the big big goal is... uh, Make but a, making make yourself redundant, yeah. Well, <laughs> big, big thinking. No, that's great, Kate. Thank you, um, Nikhil. What about you? What do you hope to achieve in your time as New South Wales Young Australian of the Year? Yeah, so I guess um, using this platform, getting in to talk with various organisations. That's already started. We've got these titles a couple months ago, and, and rather than you know me begging hospitals to come out and, and map it and, and be able to show the world how to get to their venues, they're now reaching out to us. So being able to, I mean, even if we manage to map all like GP clinics, all um, hospitals around New South Wales and maybe start getting into the other states, that would be amazing. Uh, That would change my life. (laughs) Mm. So hopefully it'll change a a lot more. And yeah, also, you know, with Peam Health starting to, we're starting to develop our clinical trial process, being able to maybe start getting that out into into nursing homes Mm. and eventually aged care and, and, and our own homes. So we know that people we love are safe. That's, that's, that is the ultimate goal, making it affordable, making it something that, that can make a difference for a lot of people. So, Great. yeah. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what about you, Caitlin? Um, so obviously the election's next year, so I really want to use this platform to scale as many young people's voices into parliament as possible. And I also have two goals that I think it might take a little bit longer to achieve, but I want to lower the voting age to 16 Mm. to make sure that Mm. 16 and 17-year-olds have an opportunity to engage in our democracy. All the decisions now made by politicians are going to be inherited by them. And the other goal is to increase Australia's definition of young people to 30 to be in line with the UN international standards. Mm. After COVID, young people's lives were on hold and we're bearing the impact of it. So we should be in line with the with the global standards. So that's my other goal. Well, yeah, you're definitely working both ends of the scale as a young Australian of the year. What sort of um, time frame, as you say, like changing the, the voting age would be a big thing. As you look at trying to plan that process, how long do you think it could take? What what what, what sort of range? It's It's been going on for years. So I started this back... I think about seven years ago, and now there are a lot of organisations that are coming up and starting to put pressure. I think it's probably going to take another three to six years Mm. because you have to have the political courage to be able to want to make that change. And you have to have politicians go, okay, we might actually lose votes by increasing the amount of young people who are voting because they vote tend to vote differently, but actually it's okay. So it's just take bringing pe- people along that journey and that narrative. Increasing the age to young people, the definition of young people to 30 might be a bit shorter. I'm already mm. starting to have some discussions with the Office for Youth and then hopefully I want to get that to the minister. So that might take one to two years. It's just a long term, but it will happen. Well, with people like you guys on the case, I'm sure all those goals are going to be realised before too long. We've only got a couple of minutes left. I thought I would just uh, finish off by asking you each to tell us briefly, like we're, we're living in very challenging times and particularly challenging times for young people, both with what young people have had to experience in the last few years, but also some of the major issues that are, that are facing us from global warming to, you know, all sorts of other things. What is the source for each of you of the, your apparent passion and positivity? Where do you get those reserves from? Nikhil, we'll start with you. 
Yeah, in terms of passion, I guess, with my own health experiences, yeah. but seeing it now in, in others as well. Like, I think there's so many injustices that need to be corrected and you don't have to go out and create amazing sort of uh, things that, that all of us have been able to do. Even if you just be kind to those around you you and make the world around you as good a place as you can, that's... That's Perfect. something huge. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Kate? What's the source of your passion and positivity? Yeah, seeing the impact of the work we've been able to do is so incredible. So one of my girls, um, I call them one way girls, uh, <laughs> but she was a 45-year-old mum from regional Queensland and learned how to code and now she's working on a beach in Thailand, being able to travel the world and push code from wherever oh, she is. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, and she's been telling me, you know, this has literally changed her life. It's opened up so many doors that she wouldn't have been able That's to go great. through otherwise. Uh, some of my other girls have bought houses, they've changed careers, they've got job security when they were moving out of, of travel or other industries during COVID. That's so fantastic. seeing and them succeed is uh, like life-changing for them, I but also bet. for and me. We're going to have to leave it there, Kate, because I'm just going to give quick th- quick 20 seconds to Caitlin for what your source of inspiration is, but uh, but nice and quick if you can. Um, my source of inspiration is just, again, seeing other young people succeed yes. and go on and do amazing things. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, look, it's been such a pleasure speaking with all of you. Thanks very much, uh, Caitlin Figueredo, uh, Kate Kerwin and Nikhil Alter, all uh, Young Australians of the Year from the ACT, the WA, WA and New South Wales as well. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.